0: The sun was relentless, its heat intense and unforgiving. There was nowhere to hide. There was no cloud in the sky, and shade was as scarce as water. The sun was so intense, the heat so oppressive, that as he looked in the distance, it even played with his mind and his eyes, seeing things that weren't there and not seeing things that might actually be. But he had work to do. And so there, he ignored the surroundings. He, he knelt in the dirt of the desert, ignoring the taste of dust in his mouth. When he completed his task, setting this trap. He knew the importance of this job. You see, this wasn't just some hobby, this hunting expedition he was on. His life depended on it. He needed another meal. He needed to consume whatever he was going to catch, and so he was, with painstaking effort, making sure every detail was just right as he set that trap. And then carefully and slowly, he withdrew his hands. He looked around to make sure he hadn't been seen, and he backed away. He backed away. And he crawled up the edge of the canyon wall to the ledge he had already pre-selected as his perch, and he laid down there to watch and to wait. He didn't have to wait long. Very soon, he heard the telltale beep beep, and the Roadrunner came blasting in in a cloud of dust, screeched to a halt in front of this trap, and began eating the bird seed that had been laid there for him. Up on the ledge, Wiley Coyote, he grinned. He grinned with satisfaction as he lit that fuse for the dynamite he had planted under the bird seed. He dreamt and envisioned the feast that was about to come. The dynamite exploded and the sound of the explosion was still in the air as the ledge beneath him gave way. And he plummeted to the desert floor, the rocks coming in quickly after him and burying him there in the dirt. The roadrunner looked around a little startled, finished the bird seed and sped off. Wily e. Coyote crawled out from under that pile of rubble, flopped on the ground and wondered to himself, here we go again. Will I ever get this right Have you been there does that cartoon does that little encounter describe your walk with god your pursuit of holiness does your pursuit of godliness feel that way sometimes like it's just a constant string of defeats when will i ever get this right I know what is right, I know what honors God, and I want to do that, and yet I find myself not doing it. I know what is wrong and what dishonors God, and I don't want to do that, and yet I find myself there all the time, and I am just so frustrated. Do those defeats and discouragements bring on an unshakable sense of frustration for you? Do you ever find yourself saying, is it worth it? Will I ever get this thing figured out? Will I ever do it right? Well, that's me some days. There are days where it is just so frustrating, this following Jesus, isn't it? Where you say, I know what's right and I want to do it. Lord, help me to do it. And then I don't do it. And I know what's wrong. Lord, help me to stay away from that. And then I do it. And I go, oh! You been there? That's the challenge, isn't it? Every single day. Well, last week we began a series on the believers' battles. The battles that that every believer faces day in and day out. And we looked at our battle with the world. This morning we're going to look at another battle we face daily. And that's a little closer to home. Because it's not out there in the world somewhere. It's right here. And right here and right here, and right here, and right here. It's us. It's our battle with the flesh. So I want to take a moment and just talk about the fighting flesh because I think we understand that, but we'll just make the biblical case for it and then go forward, okay? James chapter 1, verse 14 says, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Do you know what that means? That means I don't need any help sinning. I've got that part figured out all on my own. It means there's no one else to blame for my sinning. I don't get to say, well, Satan made me do it. Society made me do it. My grade 3 teacher must have messed me up somehow. It's those people at work. They can talk me into anything. No. It means... I'm I'm led into sin. I'm tempted to sin. I'm enticed to sin when my own evil desires rise to the surface unchecked and start leading me down that path. It means I've got enough in here that I don't need to blame anybody else. That's the reality of the flesh. We saw in 1 John 2, verse 16 last week that we're warned about the desires of the flesh. That is part of what belongs to this world that is part of what is passing away, what has been condemned, what is passing away. And it does not belong to the Father. It belongs to the world. And so we've been warned about that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 describes us all, all humanity, as children of wrath, as objects of wrath by nature. You know what that means? It means we have to stop buying the lie that the world wants to put on us that everybody is basically good. We're not. Everybody is a sinner. By nature, we're objects of wrath. By nature, we've been condemned. Why? It's because of who we are. You are not a sinner because you sin. You're not born perfect, and then one day you mess up, and oh, great, now you're a sinner like the rest of us. We sin because we're sinners. By nature, we are rebels against God and objects of wrath. That's who we are. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about the fighting flesh, this, this flesh that we battle with. It's our sin nature. It's my inclination to sin. It's my appetite for sin. It's this rebellion against God where I put me first and not God. It's my desire for me. It's when I put the physical over the spiritual. It's when I put the temporary over the eternal. It's when I put the profane and ordinary over the holy. It's when I prize what I feel, what I want, what I experience, and what I enjoy instead of what pleases God, honors God, and points people to God. I shared this with you fairly recently. Ronald Rollheiser wrote this. Our problem is this. We want to be a saint, but we also want to feel every sensation experienced by sinners. We want to be innocent and pure, but we also want to be experienced and taste all of life. We want to serve the poor and have a simple lifestyle, but we also want to experience all the comforts of the rich. We want to have the depth afforded by solitude, but we also don't want to miss anything that's going on. We want to pray, but we also want to watch TV, read, talk to friends, and go out. That's the battle, isn't it? Is it just me? No, we're all there? That's the battle. That's the battle. Pastor Marty took two Sundays this summer to walk you through Romans chapter 7, so I will not spend a lot of time there this morning, but I will read a few verses from Romans 7, verse 18. Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. We just found ourselves in the pages of Scripture, didn't we? I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find this to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being... But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You hear his frustration coming through his pen there? Paul's just describing our experience, isn't he? We know what's right and what's good and what pleases God, and that's what we want to do, but we don't do it. And we know what's sinful and wrong and rebellious and offends God, and we don't want to do it, but we find ourselves camped out there. Oh, who will fix this mess? That, that's Paul. Now, if we were to say, who in, who in church history do you think might have had it figured out, this walking with Jesus? Who might know what he's talking about? Uh, Paul would be on the list, wouldn't he? <laughs> and here's what he's writing of his experience and his frustration. This struggle, this battle that rages within. When the police arrive at the scene of a murder, they come to an apartment, say. One of the first things they look for is they stand back and they look for signs of a struggle. Is there a chair turned over and a lamp smashed? Is the coffee table over and books on the floor? Does it look like somebody fought back? Or do they see two glasses sitting on the table nice beside each other? Does it look like they just welcomed in whoever ended up attacking and killing them? They want to see if there were signs of a struggle because that tells them what went on. Well, that's a question for us, isn't it? In my life today, are there signs of a struggle? Or am I just willingly allowing something in? I think signs of a struggle in the life of the follower of Jesus include things like frustration. You say, Steve, I get frustrated when I do the wrong and I don't do the right. And I say to you this morning, good, me too. And if you're not, maybe you've thrown in the towel and you just don't care anymore. That frustration just shows you're engaged in the battle and you're part of the process and you're saying, I want to, please God, that's what I want. Well, hang in there and keep going. Hang in there and keep going. There's frustration. There's repentance. I'm not saying, well, Lord, I, I did it, but I did it again. And I did, ugh, I've just given up. We're just going to call this one even, and I'm just going to have this as part of me, okay? No. We say, Lord, it's, this is wrong, and I've been there, and I need to turn my back on that, and I want to walk your way and follow you. Lead me out of here and keep me away from it. Frustration. Repentance fighting back, dependence on God, calling out for help. These are signs of a struggle in the life of a believer. I think they're healthy signs because we're all in this fight, aren't we? We're all in this fight. It was Jesus himself, just a few hours before he would be arrested and, and crucified, in an in a olive grove with a few of his closest friends, as they kept nodding off when it was time to pray. What did he say? He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. When they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, what did he say? Well, part of that pattern of prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. <laughs> this, is, this is where the battle takes place. And in that moment in the garden, Jesus said, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. And then he just looked at them and he just you could feel his heart going out to them in his words when he said, I know, guys, I know the Spirit is willing I know the Spirit's willing. But the flesh, oh, the flesh is so weak. And within hours, those who claimed that they would die for Him would run for the hills at the sign of danger. And one of His closest friends would be screaming down curses, denying ever having met Him. The Spirit is so willing. But the flesh is so weak. That is our flesh, that is our sin nature, and it does not die quietly, does it? It puts up a fight every single day. And that's why, as we saw last week in First Peter 2, Peter says in verse 11, "I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, strangers and aliens, people who don't belong here, I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul." These aren't just guilty pleasures or minor indulgences. These are things that wage war against your soul. And so the fighting flesh is no mystery to us, is it? We're familiar with that? That's where we live. The question is, how do we fight the flesh? So turn with me to Galatians 5, if you will, the passage that Jake just read for us a few moments ago. Galatians chapter 5, we'll begin in verse 16 and consider these matters this morning from this passage. In Galatians 5, 17, we read, the, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And that's what we've just been describing, isn't it? That's the battle. And I think if we're going to fight the battle with the flesh, if we are going to see progress in our battle with the flesh, there's a few things that this passage tells us we need to do. And this is the first one, and that is to simply admit there's a problem. Be aware of, alert to, and, and just honest about it. Admit that I'm in this battle. Don't try and set up smoke screens and make everybody else think that you're just doing fine and you're the model of, of piety here. Instead, just, just, let's just be honest. We are all in this battle. We face it every day. And your issue is oh, your issue might be different than yours, and your issue might be different than yours, and your issue might be different than yours, and your issue might be different from mine, but boy, we're all in the battle. And we just need to admit that that rages within us and that it is present so that we're, so that we're not trying to pretend we're, we're perfect. We're trying to follow the Lord together, and we're trying to deal with these issues as we move forward in company with one another, with people encouraging us along and urging us on to do what's right praying for us as we go. A number of years ago, there was an article in a paper, newspaper, where the author just asked this big question and that the headline was, What is wrong with the world? And they listed all the mess going on and everything happening in the world. And then they ended with the same question, What is wrong with the world? Well, the newspaper was flooded with letters to the editor in response to that. And they printed a number Including one by G.K. Chesterton. And it was a very short letter. His was the shortest that came in, and it simply said this Mr. Editor, in response to your question, What is wrong with the world? I have the answer I am. I am. Can we just admit <laughs> we're part of the problem? The paddle's going on here. That's the reality, isn't it? And we need to be aware of that and admit that, as Paul points out here in Galatians 5.17, or we're going to be steamrolled by everything going on and we're going to throw in the towel without even knowing we've done it because we're just going to go do what we want without realizing the battle that actually is going on. We have to be aware of it and alert to it. Secondly, we need to look closely at our lives. We need to examine what's going on and, and what's underlying what's going on. We need to pay attention to what's happening because there are things in our lives that must die And there are things that must live in their place. Look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is the flesh at work. That is the appetite, the desire, the drive, the self first, me first, what can I feel, what can I do, what can I experience, a way of living, and it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And he explains that. He says, this is the work of the flesh. And those who live like this, they're not part of the kingdom. Like this, this, this just has no place in the kingdom. This is what he's talking about. Already in that letter in chapter 2, verse 20, a familiar verse to a lot of us, I'm sure, he has said, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Jesus Christ now lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm done. In Luke 9 23, Jesus said this. He said, if anyone wants to follow me, you want to come after me, you want to follow me? Here's what you do. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Deny your what? Self flesh. When your feet hit the floor in the morning, you say, Lord, today is not about me. Today's about you. Today's not about what Steve wants or what Steve desires or what Steve thinks would be a good time. It's about what will honor you. How do I do that? It's about taking up my cross daily, daily, and making the choice that I am a living sacrifice. One thing in the first century was true. If you saw somebody in the Roman world walking with a cross along their back, you knew one thing about that guy. It is over. He's done. He's done. He's done. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Your cross is not, uh, well, I do this or I like that, but that's just my cross to bear. No, that's your sin. Your cross to bear is saying I'm a living sacrifice, and it's not about me today. And I will follow Jesus, whatever cost comes my way, and it's about honoring him. It's about honoring him. We deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. There are some things that need to die in here. There are some things that need to die in here. And sometimes I think think they're on the way out. And then from one dark, dusty corner of my heart, something springs out and I say, Whoa! Where'd that come from? Well, the answer is always the same. From right down in here. From right down in here. And I need to put that thing to death. There's other things that need to live. Take a look. Verse 22. But, in contrast, the opposite of that, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and there it is again, put to death those things that should not be there and instead surrender to the Spirit and let Him flow freely through you and live through you and produce His fruit there, His character shining through you the fruit of the Spirit, what He produces, who He is, the evidence of His presence and power right there with you. Let Him shine and let Him guide your steps. Hebrews 12 says what? We are to, to set aside all the sin and anything else, all the clutter that trips us up and gets in the way. and just doesn't help us in our following Jesus. First John 2, 6 says, Anyone who claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. These are the things that must come and take their place. And it's interesting that the list is is, and the list of, of the works of the flesh is not an exhaustive list, by the way. Paul's saying, and, and things like this. <laughs> and the fruit of the spirit. Take a look. Look at the last word he uses to describe it here self control. Now, some of us want to say this morning, oh, Steve, believe me, I've got self in control. <laughs> Myself is at the steering wheel, and we are having a good time. That is not what this is talking about. It is not self in control. It is self under control. And it is not chanting a phrase to yourself and trying to keep yourself, and yourself, your flesh in check. It's surrendering yourself to the control of the Spirit. Self-control because self is under the control of the Spirit of God. You control my thoughts and my responses and my actions and my attitudes. And I surrender to you in this moment and in this instance. And you guide me and lead me. Now, as you look at this, which is a, probably a familiar passage to us, Galatians 5, uh, 16 and 25 here, talking about the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh, we look at that and we learn from it. But we need to back out and see what the context is. And it's bookended by a couple of things. If you just back out one verse, just a bit, just a hint, here's what you find, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Look at verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. He's talking here about the works of the flesh versus the work of the Spirit. He's talking about our lives being being led by the Spirit in verse 18, living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. If you say you live by the Spirit, that the Spirit of God has taken you from darkness to light, from, from death to life, that you are now a child of God and His Spirit dwells there. If you live in the Spirit, then let's walk in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. That's what he's saying. It's like somebody who says, well, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for me so that in him I could become the righteousness of God. And so I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, and I now stand in his righteousness before the Father, but I don't want to walk in that righteousness. Well, if we're not wanting to walk in that righteousness, we've got to question whether we're standing in it. And that's what he's saying. If we live by the Spirit, then let's walk by the Spirit. Let's walk by the Spirit. It is clearly evident in this passage. That to walk by, in a way contrary to the flesh, to defeat the flesh, to live in a way that honors God, the key to the whole thing is the presence of the Spirit of God. It is just unmistakable, unavoidable throughout this passage. The key is the Spirit. His presence, His power, producing His character and His fruit in us. He's the one who can do it. You and I can't. What do we do? We want to say, okay, uh, first week of September, we're working on love. Second week, patience. The third week, that's not how this works. It's saying, Lord, I want to surrender to you today by your spirit. Just come and take over. Make your presence evident here. Shape my thinking and direct my actions. Now, if we back out, that's how that passage is bookended. If you back out one more verse in each direction, you find something else interesting. Look at verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Look at verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It's amazing how well we can think we're doing in our walk with God, in our walk of holiness, when we're sitting at home with a cup of tea by ourselves in silence. Although even there, guess who's there? Us. And we got our issues there too, don't we? But boy, it can seem like we got some things under control and things are going well until you insert another person. And then they rattle the whole thing. You notice that? (laughs) People just mess stuff up on you all the time. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the context of how we relate to each other, how we speak to each other, how we interact with each other, respond to each other. That's what he's saying before this and after this. So he's saying the works of the flesh are often evident in the way we interact with each other and the reasons for it. But at the same time, the works of the Spirit are often evident in the way we interact with each other and our reasons for it. That's where it often shows up, isn't it? See, the battle rages in here, but it's often only seen out there. We need to be aware and just admit that there is a battle and I'm in it and I'm part of it. We need to understand as we look closely at our lives that there are things that need to die and I need to surrender to the Spirit that these things might come and take their place. And look at chapter 6, verse 1 as the thought continues. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now what does he say? Sometimes we read that, brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression we go, oh I know a guy. <laughs> right? He's not calling us all he's not deputizing us all to be the church police that we hide behind every bush in town with a little clipboard looking for somebody to mess up and go, oh man he's worse than I thought. <laughs> I guess that makes me better than I thought. But that's not what he's saying about somebody being caught in a transgression, caught in a sin. What he's saying is they're ensnared by it. They are trapped by it. They are entangled in it and can't see which ends up and how to get out. They're caught. They're stuck. So what do we do? We gloat and go, oh, I never would have gone there. (laughs) Or we condemn. What are you doing? You know that's wrong. What's the instruction of God's Word? You who are spiritual, not living by the flesh, but walking according to the Spirit... You are to come alongside and say, Brother, how did you get stuck here? This is sin, and it will destroy you. It's waging war against your soul. But I am here, and I love you, and I am praying for you, and I will pray with you, and I will walk with you out of this place. Let's go. Let me walk with you. How can I help? And that will take time, not just to meet with somebody once, but to continue to walk with them. You want to wake up at 2 in the morning and turn on your computer? You call me, and I'll come over, and we'll sit at that same desk with a cup of coffee, and we'll just talk, and we'll just pray, and we'll get through this together. I'm in it for the long haul. That's discipleship. I'm just going to walk with you as we walk together with the Lord. Let's go. Come alongside and encourage them and call them out and walk with them. But Paul gives us cautions here. He says, be careful because in doing that, there are some dangers. One of them is temptation. Sometimes when we're trying to tackle an issue in my life or your life or our lives, one of the things we do is we spend so much time focused on that issue that we're thinking about it more than we were before. And we think that's the only thing we want to talk about and think about. And the problem is it takes on a whole new life of its own. And in trying to help somebody with something, we can spend so much time on it that we end up tempted by it ourselves. Paul says, guard your heart, be careful in this. Something else can arrive in that moment as we're trying to help someone and pray with them and, and lead them out. Pride can kind of well up, and we can look around and go, wow, what a mess this is. Didn't see me there, did you? It's a good thing there's a spiritual Superman or Lone Ranger here to ride in and save the day. If I wasn't here, this, this, this sister, she'd be lost. She'd be gone. Lost cause without me. And we start to think it's us. And now we're caught in sin. Instead of coming in in humility saying, brother, sister, this may well be me next time. Six months from now, I might need you to come and have this same conversation with me. That's the spirit we go in with. And by the way, that often impacts the response. But let's flip that coin over for just a second and just say this. How do I respond? How do you respond when a brother obeys the commands of Scripture and does what should be the most normal, natural, loving thing as a brother or sister in Christ as we walk with the Lord together and calls and says, Steve, sit down. I'm seeing some things that either you're not seeing or you're not really paying attention to or you don't care about right now, but it's sin. And we got to talk. And I'm here to help. How do you respond? Does the flesh just come bursting to the surface and say, well, who do you think you are to tell me I'm no good? You think you're so much better. Is that what? Or do we say, oh, finally, thank you. I have been entangled in this mess, and I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to get out. Help me. Help me. See, that's the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. We're walking by the Spirit. That's the way it works. So we need to be aware of the battle every day as we go in. Say, I am going to face choices and decisions along the way today. Some of them I can anticipate. and Some of them are going to surprise me. But I know it's going to be me against what I want, against what the Spirit of God wants. And that's the battle. And I've got to be ready and I've got to be surrendered for it. I've got to watch because there are things in my life that need to die and there are things that need to take its place. And along the way, I need to be alert to brothers and sisters in Christ. And I need to be aware if I need to help somebody or if, I need that, or if they need to come help me, I need to be engaged in that process because we're in this together. It's one of the reasons God puts us together so that we can help each other and encourage each other along. Well, we have emailed out to you another passage to read and a few questions to consider and I urge you, brothers and sisters, to take time this week to do that. It's another important passage on this topic, and it is one, I think, with some questions that will hopefully help you in your daily struggles. For now, I'm just going to share a few questions that I've been reflecting on in my own battles and my own struggles this week. Um, some people think pastors are perfect, perfect, others think pastors just think they're perfect. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, uh, pastors know the truth, and we know that it's neither. All right, so here's the deal. As I'm asking myself these questions in my struggles, I'm urging you to ask the same. Number one, am I honest with myself or am I just making excuses for myself? Am I honest with myself or am I making excuses for myself? Secondly, am I honest with others or am I putting on a show for others? Number three, am I honest with God about this and calling out for help or am I telling God to go help somebody who really needs it because I got this figured out am I struggling with sin or am I just choosing to sin am I engaged in the battle or have I just given up what will I do to fight the flesh every day what will I do to fight the flesh what patterns will I put in place in my life what choices will I make What will I remove? What will I set up? Who will I engage in the conversation? What will I do to fight the flesh? What will you do to fight the flesh? Ask the Spirit of God. What is it that I need to do even in my daily routine that will help me to fight the flesh? And is there a trusted brother or sister in Christ that I should include in this conversation and have them giving me some ideas to? Who is it? How do I do it? What will I do to fight the flesh? What will I do to walk by the Spirit? Same thing. How will I set myself up to be walking with the Spirit every day? How will I I build things into my life that will feed that? Am I willing to help others or am I too happy gloating over them and condemning them? When others come knocking, will I let them help me? Those are loaded questions, aren't they? They can't be answered in two minutes. They think time and reflection, and that's why I'm urging us to pray and reflect on these things this week. Now, as we close, there there may be somebody here saying, Steve, I get it. I understand the battle with the flesh, the battle with my sin nature. I know it's there. I've been around on this planet longer than you, Steve, and I understand. I still fight it every day. There was a, a pastor I heard preach, and he was preaching on the issue of Of uh, sexual temptation he said one of the senior men in the church came to him at the door and said pastor that was the finest message I've ever heard on this topic very helpful very helpful thank you it was really full of application and you 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 taught me some things that I really appreciate that And this pastor looked at this senior man and said oh thanks brother that's such a battle isn't it he said tell me when does that stop being an issue and stop being something you fight and he said don't ask me pastor I'm only 81 (laughs) it's a lifelong struggle isn't it and we all <laughs> and so we might be saying this morning Steve I get that that this is a battle we get that you know thanks for the encouragement but I get that but my battle with the flesh right now seems to actually be a battle with the flesh just the physical world in which i'm dealing the physical condition of my body i'm getting older i'm tired i'm weaker can't do what i used to do and it's frustrating and it's it's nasty I take so many medications, supplements, and vitamins if you shook me, I'd rattle like a pill bottle. And that's just to get through the day on a good day. I've got chronic pain. And it just affects the way I think. I've got so many aches, I've got to have a 10-minute conversation in the morning with my knees just to see if they're going to bend today. Like, you have days like that? Oh, we're praying for you too because that battle continues, doesn't it? And that's not easy. Asaph wrote in Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Whatever happens to this thing, my heart will cling to God. He is my strength and my portion forever. None of this, neither battle with the flesh is just about here and now. This is temporary. We're heading home, amen? All right. Friends, be encouraged this morning. We're all in this battle together. You're not alone. Paul cried out in his frustration, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know what he then said? His very next words? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is one who has not just conquered the world, but he has conquered sin and death. Thank you. He will rescue me from this mess. He will deliver me and lead me out. Galatians 516 says I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh that's where we begin I'm going to close by reading this prayer that a friend of mine sent me this week it was one somebody wrote that he came across and he just said this has been so fresh and so helpful for me this week in what I'm dealing with and he sent it along to me and I I want to read it to you today Lord, do whatever you need to do in me so that you can do whatever you want to do through me. Do whatever you need to do in us so that you can do whatever you want to do through us. What do you need to tear down, break off, shake up, or empty out? What do you need to overthrow, overhaul, undo, or uproot? I'm here, I'm ready, I'm waiting, I'm asking. We're here. We're ready. We're waiting. We're asking. We just want more of you. What's in the way? What's holding us back? What's got to go? What's blocking the path? We loosen our grips. We open our hands. We widen our hearts. We make room to expand. You search us and know us. You see us and meet us. You purge us and cleanse us. You prune us and peel us. However it comes, whatever the cost, whatever it takes, whatever is lost, you're worth it. You're good. You love us. You've got this. So, Yes, we trust you to do whatever you need to do in us so that you can do whatever you want to do through us. Lord, just have your